Today we are talking about hearing God. This is the end of the, the, the series. And uh, I asked last week, and I should probably put it out on social media or something. I don't remember all these things. But, but I wanted you to bring something to write with if you're in this room or if you're at home, run and get something, a pen and some paper or your prayer journal. Hopefully you're using your prayer journal. Uh, because at the end of this, we're going to just give God an opportunity to speak to us. And I'm just going to walk you through kind of encountering God's voice. It's very simple. This, no, no magic tricks, no, no funky juju or anything like that. We're just, just going to give God an opportunity. I believe God's going to speak. And so I want you to prepare for that. So you, if you're in this room, you prepare. If you're watching online, you prepare. Uh, but go with me to Judges chapter 6. And we were in Judges chapter 6 uh, last week. And we're going to um, continue on because there were some things I wanted to share uh, that, that I had to break it into messages. And uh, so Gideon, we're going to talk about Gideon. Gideon was the fifth judge over Israel. You probably know all this from last week. 15 judges over Israel from the time of uh, Joshua to the time of King Saul. Three hundred and uh, one, one source, 336 years. They were pretty exact. And I like their number and the math and how they did it. But uh, that, that 15 judges kind of lead Israel a lot of times in military campaigns and those type of things. Um, Gideon's the fifth one, and God comes to Gideon, and he's threshing wheat in a wine press because the Midianites uh, kept pillaging, essentially, Israel and taking all their food. So if you've seen A Bug's Life, where the ants store up the food and the grasshoppers come and take it, this was kind of what's going on. And so God is now going to deliver Israel through a man named Gideon. And so he comes to him and says, I'm gonna, you know, mighty man of valor, I'm going to deliver Israel. And Gideon says, give me a sign. And that's what we talked about last week, how to confirm that God is speaking to you. Uh, this week, I want to talk about something a little bit different, but in the same text. And so uh, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week in the text and read together from Judges 6, verse 17. It says, Gideon replied, now if I've found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. This is where we left off last week. <clears throat> Give me a sign that's really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. That is incredible because most people believe this is Jesus in the Old Testament. It's not just, it says the angel of the Lord, but also Gideon refers to him as Lord. So I, I, I really haven't found a theologian that doesn't believe this is a big theolog theological word here, Christophany or Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. And it seems everyone believes this. And this is incredible because he basically says, God, will you wait on me? And God says, yes. And I just think about how patient God is with us, that God is probably more patient with you than you are with you, right? So, um, so, and the Lord said, I will wait till you return. And Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, uh, made some bread with, without yeast, put some broth together. Verse 20, the angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and place it on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand and fire flared from the rock consuming the meat and the bread and the angel of the Lord disappeared when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord he exclaimed Allah sovereign Lord I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face but the Lord said to him peace don't be afraid you're not going to die so Gideon built an altar to the Lord and he called it the Lord is peace Yahweh is shalom uh, it's a revelation if you know the, the names of God. Anyways, to this day, it stands at Oprah. That's Oprah, not Oprah, okay? So um, just, just so you're clear. That same night, the Lord said, take the second bull from your father's herd, the, the one that's seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it and then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of, on top of the height. 
using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him because he was afraid, so he did it at night. So I, I want to talk to you for just a minute about, now you may be, there's so much in that text. Um, but I want to talk to you because it, here's what I saw in the text. I think the condition of your heart um, is seen in actions and attitudes. Uh, you, you can say whatever you want to say about what's going on in your heart. But we're going to see what's going on in your heart based on your actions and your attitudes. Does that make sense? And I can say I have a heart for God. Well, you're going to either see it or not based on my actions or attitudes. And so actions and attitudes, thoughts, all those things reveal the shape of your heart, the condition of your heart. And what I saw in this text based on Gideon's actions, based on his actions even more so than his words, because people can tell you anything they want to tell you. People can post anything they want to post. Are you with me? Like, freedom of speech, Memorial Day, it's been paid for. It's an amendment. I can say what I want to say. I post what I want to post. But the bottom line is it's not so much about what I'm saying, because what is really going on inside of me is going to be seen by my actions and my attitudes. And when we look at what Gideon is doing in this text... It actually, to me, reveals what's going on inside of his heart. The shape of his heart is seen by his actions and by his attitudes. And, and to me, when you, when you are, are, let me say it this way. To me, everything with God, everything with God, listen to this, is a heart issue. And hearing God is a heart issue. It has more to do probably with the shape of your heart than your religious prowess or exercise. In fact, I've told people before, um, because I said, when you're trying to learn to follow God, if you're truly submitted in your heart and you're trying to hear God, I believe even if you miss what God is saying, he will still bring you back to where he wants you to be because of your heart. And I think people are sitting back, and, and I love talking to people when they're, when they're and, and hear what I'm saying, but when they're kind of scared, like, I'm afraid I'm missing God, I always say, then you're not. Yeah, Do you see what I'm saying? Because if you are living with that fear and that reverential awe and, and, and respect to say, God, I don't want to miss you, and you are walking as, I think Paul wrote in the New Testament, it's definitely a scripture in the New Testament, maybe in Hebrews, but most people think Paul wrote Hebrews. So anyways, but he said, walk circumspectly, walk cautious. And so when people are like, I'm, I'm walking cautiously because I don't want to miss God, here's what I'm saying. That action and attitude reveals a heart of consecration and commitment. And what I would say is even if you make a misstep, God will cover it by grace and pull you back in because the heart, the attitude of the heart is more important than just the action. Are, are you with me? And so when I'm looking at Gideon, I'm seeing someone who is walking cautiously and their actions and attitudes are revealing a heart that hears God. Are you with me? And, and so I just want to share it just a, a few moments. And so I don't know why I got into song titles and stuff for all the message titles. So I just called this one the shape of my heart. The shape of my heart. And you can decide if that's the Backstreet Boys or Sting. Okay, they both had songs called The Shape of My Heart. Go with your genre or your generation. I'm good with it. Wasn't a huge Backstreet. 
boy band, not my thing, you know. Sting seems really cool. I'm going with Sting. All right, so anyways, um, <laughs> but now let's, let's pray and dive into this. Father, um, God, again, we thank you for our servicemen and women. God, we just pray a blessing over them and their families today. And those who have lost loved ones, God, we pray comfort and peace and blessing. Um, God, as we gather now in your presence, please speak to us words by your spirit, words of life that will transform us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So we're going to talk about the heart. And I have four points. I'll move them pretty quickly. They all begin with H because I'm very anointed. Okay. And so number one, number one is this, that what I saw in Gideon was a hungry heart. I want to hear God. How hungry is your heart? Um, here, here's what Judges 6, 17 and 18 says. Gideon replied, if I found favor, then give me a sign. Verse 18. Look what he says. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering. Think about this. Just There's so much in this. Um, because here's what he... Notice. Do you notice that God didn't ask for an offering? Did you notice that? That he just wanted to give an offering. Like God didn't say, I'm going to deliver the Midianites now, go get a young goat and make me some soup and I'll have some bread. No, Gideon's response to hearing God was, this is amazing. God is speaking to me. Let me bring an offering. I think, I think sometimes the offerings that we bring reveal the hunger that we have. And, and before, before, you know, before you don't blow me up in the chat about it's about money. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about this. This is an, I mean, this is an extravagant offering. Actually, it was a costly offering because they're starving to death and he cooks a goat. But to me, what I see in this is he, he laid down his agenda. It cost his agenda. It cost his time. And yes, it cost something that was valuable. But I think sometimes the offerings that we bring, it, it reveals really how hungry we are to hear God. How, how much time can I give him? Like I'm all about drive through prayers because I think God hears all prayers. Do you know what a drive through prayer is? It's like you're on your way to work and you remember you need to pray because you're a Christian. Maybe they're drive time prayers, right? And, and, I, and listen, I pray driving, like if you pull up next to me in a red light, you're probably going to think I'm talking to myself like the greatest thing God has ever given me is Bluetooth in my truck because I can blame it on, oh, I was talking to someone and people will think I was on the phone. But I will just be praying or singing because how many know you really sound better in the truck when you turn the radio up really loud? The only two places that some of us should sing is in the car with the radio cranked up or in the shower because the acoustics are so good. But anyways, <laughs> I sound like a whole choir in the shower. But anyways, um, <laughs> I'm all about those drive time prayers. But I'm just saying, if, if it, when you look at Gideon, look at the value he placed on the voice of God. Not, not so much about money. It's just a, it's about the heart. It's about the value he placed. Like, I'm hearing God. I think this is God. I want to confirm this is God. How many times do we think we hear God and then just go about our day? Or we ask God to speak to us and then go about, us, about our day. And it's like we want God to chase us down or send an email or send a text. And by the way, I would be all for that if God wanted to start texting me. Make my life happy and easy. And you, you, how many would? 
But there's a reason why God won't do it that way. Because God doesn't speak to people who don't value his voice. And, and what we see from Gideon in him making this offering and giving it to God was that, that he was willing or, or there, was a, there was a value that was placed on hearing God's voice. And I think, you think about it, after this, God gives him a sign because he does the whole and burns up the offering. But then after that, then we have the, the fleece two times. One time the fleece is wet, the ground is dry. The next time the ground is wet, the fleece is dry. And then God gives him a bonus sign, which is going into the Midian, Midianite camp and hearing a dream they had had about Gideon winning. And why do you think God continued to speak to Gideon? Because to Gideon, he established a principle that God's voice is the most valuable thing to me. You will hear God when his voice is the most valuable thing to you. Are, 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 you, are you with me? And then I thought about this because, it, it, I'm sorry, my brain, that, that meant I wasn't speaking in tongues. Don't translate um, uh, or interpret. That's just my mind running too fast. But, but, but here's what I was thinking about this. this. The first sign that he gets, which is, you know, when the angel of the Lord takes the staff and touches the rock and fire comes out of the rock, he only got that sign because he brought the offering. God didn't ask him to bring the offering. But the confirmation God's speaking again only happened because he brought the offering. Right? God will speak when, when it becomes valuable to us. When, when there's nothing else more valuable, right? Where, where, where we have a, a hungry heart. Look at this. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 10. I'm sorry, Matthew 13, verse 10. It says, disciples came to him and asked, uh, this is Jesus, why, do you, why, are you, why are you talking in parables? Why are you talking in parables? And he replied, now look at this, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but not to them. Okay, good question. Like, Jesus, why are you telling stories? Here's what he says. Because it's been given to you to understand, it has not been given to them. I got a question. Why? Is it just because they're disciples? Because he answers the question in the next verse, although it doesn't really sound like an answer. In fact, it almost sounds confusing. Verse 12, he says this, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Please notice how politically incorrect this is. This is not like socialism, all right? Whoever has will be given more and they'll have an abundance. And who does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read that in the context of the other verse, your first thought is, what is Jesus saying? Like, why are you talking in parables? Because you can understand and they can't. Because whoever has, more will be given. Whoever doesn't have, not gonna have what they have is going to be taken away. And here's what he's saying. It's really about value. Here's what he's saying. Because you value the word. See, the Pharisees wanted to hear the word to try to test him or to trick him. The disciples, Peter said it this way, when Jesus, he came out with the sermon series, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and all the crowds left because they thought they were at a Marilyn Manson concert or something. <laughs> and, and Jesus looks at Peter and he says this, he says, are you going to leave too? Here's what Peter said. Well, where would I go? 
Who else, look at what he says, has the words of life? And, and so Jesus said, they're not listening to value the word. They're listening to scrutinize it or discredit it. You're listening to value it. And here's the principle. Those who value it, I'll speak more to. And those who don't value it, I'll even take away what revelation they had. Right? Because they have a hungry heart, I'll keep speaking. And because they don't have a hungry heart, I'm not going to talk. So, so Gideon, I think, had a hungry heart. Here's, here's the second thing. He had a humble heart. Uh, Judges 6.22, it says, When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Allah, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. This is a, it's an exclamation of, of grief or calamity. Like this terrible thing has come upon me. Now, you have to understand, why would it be a terrible thing to see the Lord? Well, go back to Moses. God said, no one can see my face in. So, so they operate under this idea that if I see God, I'm going to die. So Gideon now realizes I've seen God and he's like, it's over for me. <laughs> like I'm gone. I'm dead. Like it's been good. <laughs> you know, he went red Fox. Remember Sam said, it's a big one, Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm coming to see you. If you're my generation, that made no sense. But for those older than me, they get red Fox and Sanford and son. For the rest of you, you should YouTube it. Anyways, um, but, but he was like, this, this is, but, but what does the statement reveal about the heart? Reverence. Oh, this then, like, here's what he was saying. He, he, was, he was exercising in this thing that's called the fear of the Lord, which is a good fear. Uh, in fact, the wisest man who ever lived said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And why does the fear of the Lord, if you just encapsulate an idea, here, here's, here's what Gideon was saying. You are God and I am not. It's showing this humility that you are the sovereign Lord of the universe and I am but Nothing. I am less than nothing. You are God. Because I think sometimes, and, and there again, I'm not, don't want to step on your toes unless I need to, but um, you can put a foot emoji in the, anyways. Um, but I think sometimes we approach God like he, he works for us. And when it comes to hearing God, sometimes we approach God like he's supposed to speak w what we want him to speak, when we want him to, about what we want him to speak. And I think that's sometimes, listen, I think that's sometimes why people don't hear God. Because we have this little bitty place over here where it's like, God, you can speak right here. I'd like you to say the following things. I'd like you to speak about this. And you have to understand that when it comes to hearing God, remember we're talking about the heart. And the heart of the matter is, I'm not trying to get God to say what I want him to say. I'm trying to get God to say what he wants to say. I'm not trying to get God to speak to what I want him to speak to. I'm trying to get God to speak to what he needs or wants me to hear from him. He is God. I am not. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, right? This is the scripture. By the way, I found you can humble yourself or God will help you. The latter is less fun. 
But he says, humble yourself. And this is what I see from Gideon. I see Gideon saying, you are God and I am not. You are God and I'm not. You don't work for me, I work for you. I'm taking orders from you, you're not taking orders from me. I'm following you, you're not following me. I'm trying to live my life your way, not get you to do life my way. And I see it not only in, in his exclamation, but back to this offering. He brings an offering when God speaks. And what is an offering? Well, Old Testament offering is kind of like New Testament worship. Because I was, I was thinking about, you know, when you talk about a humble heart, then you think, well, there's a humble heart or there's a prideful heart. And I thought, you know, the opposite of pride is humility. And then I had this thought, what if the opposite of pride isn't so much humility as the opposite of pride is worship? What if the opposite of pride is worship? And then I thought about Lucifer, right? The archangel Lucifer, Satan. He went from being a worshiper. He's created for worship. He went from being a worshiper to committing treason, treason because of pride. And I thought, at some point, worship stopped, which is what allowed pride to come in. And if I want to live with a humble heart, I have to live a lifestyle of worship. Because you cannot worship and be prideful at the same time. You cannot worship and be prideful at the same time. And, and what I saw from Gideon in, in, this, in this text was he has this very humbling statement. You're God and I'm not. Now I'm going to die. God's like, you're not going to die. And then I realized, again, actions and attitudes, words, actions and attitudes. And I looked at this action of this offering and I realized he was worshiping. And I'm like, oh, he has this humble heart. The worship is why he could make this statement. You're, you're God, and I'm not. And so I'm going to worship you. Listen, the best way to deal with pride. <laughs> Let me tell you what pride is. Um, pride is worship, but it's the worship of you. Just let it bless you. Like... Right? Because pride is, I got it right. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it my way. It's self-exaltation. Worship is exalting God. Come, let us exalt the Lord. Let us, you know, worship his name together. Right? Are you, are you with me? And, and the best, I think to me, the best way to combat pride in your life is worship. It is hard to be prideful when you're face down in front of God saying, you're God and I'm not. See, humility is not thinking about, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking right about yourself. <laughs> He's God. I am not. I, a, a pastor said, says one time, told me this. He said, a man who stays on his face before God cannot fall from that position. I wrote it down. I'm like, I live by it. That's, I get it. Like, if you stay there, you can't fall from there, right? 
And what I see from Gideon in this offering and this attitude, and, and I, think, I think worship is such an incredible key to hearing from God. Right? I, I do, because worship puts God in his proper place, and it puts me in my proper place. And, and to me, when, when I'm struggling to hear God, I always find a place to worship. Right? And, and maybe I become prideful, maybe not, but, but even still, worship seems to put everything in the right order. You are God, and I am not God. I mean, when, when David wrote Psalm 103, and I'll just kind of read some voices, verses, but what I see in Psalm 103, what I love about it is there, there are very few me and my and I. There's a lot of you and Lord. And you see what I'm saying? Let, let me just show you what, what I mean. Psalm 103, verse 1. Let, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does. He forgives my sin. He heals my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love. His tender mercies, right, are, are, are extended to me. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed as the eagle. The Lord gives righteousness and justice. He revealed his character to Moses. The Lord is compassionate. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is filled with unfailing love, right? He will not constantly accuse or remain. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us for his unveiling love is toward us. He has removed our sin. Do you see what, what David's saying? Here's what he's saying. God, you're everything to me. In fact, you're everything, period. God, you are God and I am not. This is worship. This is why we start, think about it, we start our services with worship, why? Because we want to hear from the word of God, but I can't hear from the word of God if my word and I am in the way. So I start with worship by saying, God, you are everything to me, you are God, I am not God, and that opens my ears to hear. Here's the, here's the third thing, a holy heart. So a hungry heart, right, a humble heart and a holy heart. Judges 6.25, that same night the Lord said, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old, and tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah poles beside it. So, so here's what he's telling them to do. So this, the Israel comes into the land of Canaan. The Canaan the land of Canaan is filled with the people called the Canaanites, right? So that's all the ites, all the, the Midianites, the Jebusites, the Malachites, you know, the Cellulites, the Bossites, the Covidites. I mean, it's, it's full of all those and, and um, the Baal and Asherah were the two primary deities that the Canaanites worshipped. And now we have, it has infiltrated um, Gideon's family. And his father is actually, actually has an altar to Baal and Asherah poles, which is the way you worship the, the goddess Asherah, Right? So it's the primary male and primary female deity of the Canaanites. And, and this, is what, this is what God said. He, he's like, hey, if I'm going to work here, now everything's a picture, but if I'm going to work here, we've got to get these influences out. And, and I wonder how that applies to our heart, and I think this is it, is that, that I, can't, I can't hear God if I'm trusting in something else. Because an idol is what you look to or trust in. If you want to find your idol, just figure out where you run to when things get hard. Because what you run to reveals what you trust in. Like the other day I sinned. I'll just tell you, I sinned straight up. My confession 
had a bad day, ate a whole thing of Nestle Toll House cookie dough. I did. Like it was the big break and bake. I mean, it was just a dozen. That was my dinner. But don't worry, I washed it down with fair life, high protein, low fat milk. Totally balanced it out. But you see what I'm saying? Like I ran to that and I realized as I was eating the last cookie, really the last chunk of cookie dough, <laughs> it was so good. Ooh. But I realized, you know, God, I probably need to talk to you. And I'm going to after this last bite of cookie dough. <laughs> but, but listen, idols are what we, what we trust in. And, and so here's what I'm saying. You can't trust in the wisdom and the voices of the world and expect God to speak. Because did you notice the order of this? This is what's crazy. He said, listen, tear down those altars and then build me an altar. In other words, don't build me an altar next to the other altars. I will not be one of your sources. I will not be one of your voices. I'll not be one of your gods. I'll not be one of the things you trust in. I'll not be one of the things you, I will be. See, mm, see, you see what I'm saying? Like this is, this is a holy heart because a holy heart is a consecrated heart or a heart that is set apart from the world. I'm not going to use the wisdom of the world and see if God lines up with it. I'm not going to try to make his voice confirm something over here. I'm not going to live this way and hope God agrees. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, consider this with this. I'm not going to put his voice in the mix with other influences and other voices. No, 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 no. It's his voice alone. God, I will hear God when God is the only one I will hear. Are you with me? It's a consecrated or a set apart heart. Is our heart, listen, if our heart is hungry, if it is humble, and if it is holy, if it is set apart for God, we are set up to hear, hear from God. We're set up to hear his voice. He's not going to be one of the voices. Are, are you with me? Here's the, here's the fourth thing. An honoring heart. An honoring heart. Look, look at this. Judges uh, 6, 27. Now, God had told him to go tear down the altar and sacrifice the, the bull, right? Verse 20 is it. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and underlined this phrase, and did as the Lord told him. Like, these are just, these, these, this is like heart checkup, issue of the heart, right? Is it hungry? Is it humble? Is it holy? But then this one, is it honoring? Do I have an honoring heart? Let me say it another way. An obedient heart. A heart that will do. You know, I found that, that God doesn't talk because he needs to hear his own voice. And that when God speaks, he is expressing his will. Just like with Gideon. I don't know if you thought about this, but when God comes to talk to Gideon, Gideon didn't set the agenda. God did. And God spoke based on what he wanted to accomplish. So if God is speaking based on what he wants to accomplish, he will probably only speak to someone that will do what he's saying. A uh, preacher, preacher quote here, got a lot of them, but preacher said this, if you're having trouble hearing from God, 
Go back to the last thing he told you and see if you did it. Pro tip, right? <laughs> Let it bless you, right? But seriously, if you're like, God, I just don't know what you want. God, you're just not speaking. Then ask yourself, now, what was the last thing God told me to do? And, and did, I, did I do that? And if not, go, go do that and see if God doesn't speak something else. Because God ultimately is, I mean, God values his voice probably more than we do. So he's only going to speak if it's going to be heeded. See, I think the key to hearing God is heeding God. Right? And, and so if I want God to speak, then, then, then I have to live in obedience. Um, the truth of the matter is, if I'm not really submitted to God, what is the chances I'm going to submit to what he says? If I'm, if I'm not living a lifestyle of obedience to God, am I really going to be obedient to what he says? Um, remember King Saul, um, God sends, sends him into battle. You're going to win. Kill everything. This is his order. Kill everything that's alive, right? Next thing you know, God's showing up with Samuel saying, hey, your boy Saul has gone off the rails right? On crazy train. Come on, Ozzy. He has gone off the rails and, and, and you got to go talk to him. So Samuel shows up to, to Saul and he says, Saul, God had a pretty, pretty simple command here. Pretty simple agenda, you know, just kill everything. Like, you know what I'm saying? Kind of takes the guesswork out of it. Should I kill it? Should I not? What was, what was it? Kill everything. Is this an everything? Yeah, I think it is. Okay, you know what I'm saying? God did, took the guesswork out. And this is what Saul says. Oh, I did what God said. And Samuel's like, then why do I hear a petting zoo behind your tent? There's a donkey neighing and, right? And there's, pig, there's pigs oinking and sheep bleeding. And <laughs> old King Saul had a farm. Anyways, and so... Um, and so he's like, if you do what I said, and, and, and this was the famous line, Samuel said, 1 Samuel 15, 22, said, and Samuel said, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings? Because this was Saul's explanation. Oh, we kept those, out, kept the best animals to sacrifice them to the Lord. Isn't it amazing how holy we can make disobedience sound? Have you, no, I'm not talking about you, but maybe someone you know maybe in a life group or something, and, and you know they're talking about disobedience and really not doing things God's way, and, and you know what the Word says, and, but they're making it sound so good they even put a scripture with it. Remember, Satan put a scripture in his temptation of Jesus. You don't think you can twist scripture if you're really the Son of God, right? Throw yourself off because it is written. He will not let his foot. That, you know. anyway, all right. maybe, maybe you've never experienced that. But anyways... Um, so Saul said, we're going to keep the best animals to sacrifice to the Lord. And Samuel said, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices more than just obeying him? Because to obey is better than sacrifice. And what you see here again, remember the heart is revealed in the actions and attitudes because when, when we live, we, we, we make decisions based on a, a value system. It's actually a hierarchy of values. 
And the highest value is always carries the most weight in making a decision, right? And, and so in the way we were designed is God is supposed to sit on the throne that's in our heart. He's supposed to be the highest value and carry the most weight so that every decision ultimately is going to stop at him. This is what it means to live a lifestyle of obedience, that everything is carried all the way up to the throne that is on our heart where we keep God first on our heart, first in our heart. Are you with me? What you have here is Saul allowed something else to be first on the throne of his heart. It changed the value system, which created disobedience. It was a heart issue because what he wanted, if you read the text, the men, it was their idea, like we shouldn't waste these animals. We should keep these animals to sacrifice. And so for Saul, it was more important to have the approval of man than to be obedient to God. God was in there somewhere, but he wasn't at the top. Right? So what does it mean to live a lifestyle of obedience, keeping God at the top of the food chain of all values and decisions? Do you see what I'm saying? Because when it comes to hearing God, what I know about people who hear from God, they are people who live a lifestyle of obedience. They're not the people who get really obedient for a short season so they can hear God. Oh, come on, man. We need, right? Like, I need to hear God, so all of a sudden I'm going to prayer. I need to hear God. All of a sudden I can tithe. We need to hear God. All of a sudden I'm in a life group. We need to hear, right? We have all been guilty of that, turning, hearing God into works. But hearing God is not about works. It's about the heart, right? And the people I know who hear from God the most are the people who live a lifestyle of obedience. And the secret of living a lifestyle of obedience is having God on the throne of your heart and keeping God on the throne of your heart. Are you with me? And when I keep God on the throne of my heart, then I'll hear his voice. And that's what Gideon's like. God spoke and Gideon it says, and so Gideon did it. I mean, he did it at night. But it doesn't matter. It look, look how quick it was like God spoke and it says, and Gideon when did it? Because obedience is doing what God asks you to do when God asks you to do it. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. And I think that lifestyle. I remember when we were raising our kids, um, we did this curriculum uh, called Growing Kids God's Way. It's really a good curriculum. Recommend it if you have little ones. And I know right now we had like 300 babies born in our church, it seems, in the last few months. Like, we have babies everywhere. Um, and so congratulations to all those new babies. I ran into a, a gentleman in, in the store the other day. They've got like a five-week-old. And then, anyways, there's babies everywhere. Um, but, but we did this curriculum, Growing Kids God's Way. And, what they, and then when they got to toddlers, growing kids along the toddler path or whatever they called it. Anyways, but it was about first-time obedience. And you just taught your kids how to obey the first time, right? Because how many have ever said or heard this? All right, I'm not going to tell you again. I've told you three times. I'm not going to tell you. I've told you eight times. I'm not going to tell you, right? Because as parents, what do we want? We want to just say it one time. What do you think God wants? 
right? Like, I'm going to submit to you that God's not going to sit in there and say, now I've told you nine times. I don't, think, I don't know how patient he is. I'm not saying he'll get there. I don't know. Maybe he's that good, but I'm just saying that delayed obedience is disobedience and people who live a obedience, a lifestyle of obedience to God, hear God. This, this is what he's seen from hunger, humble, right? Um, I forgot the other one. Holy, that was it. Hunger. Y'all were taking up. You get gold stars. All right. So, hungry, humble, holy, honoring. Those are principles of the heart. And if you can maintain your heart, you're going to hear the voice of God. Amen. God wants to speak and he will speak. If you can, if you can be hungry and humble and holy and honoring, live a lifestyle of obedience. And so I want us to bow our heads just where we're at. And I'm going to take just a couple of minutes. If you're at home, participate with us because I, I believe God can speak even where you're at. Kids running around, dogs barking. I believe God can still speak. Um, but if you have something to write with, take it out. If you have something to write on, take it out. And God, we just thank you so much that, um, God, you want to speak. And you will speak. And God, we... We can hear. You've designed us to hear. And God, I pray in these next few holy moments, God, that, that we just hear your voice. So with your heads bowed, just quietly resting in the presence of God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask a question as though I were you. So I don't want you to repeat the question because if you're talking, it makes it hard to hear. So I'm just going to ask God a question on your behalf, essentially. And then I just want you to write down what you think God says. Right? And, and don't try to judge it or weigh it. And don't, don't say, oh, that's not God. Just write it down. Just trust me on this. Just write it down. We'll, we'll, we'll look at it in a minute. But just write it down. And by the way, this comes from Scripture. David said um, to God, basically, God, you made me understand your plans for the temple through the writing of my own hand. In other words, God was telling him things he didn't understand. And as he wrote it down, he understood. And so it's in, in scripture. So, um, but I, I've found this to be one of the ways that, that you can hear God that, that works, you know, and is helpful. And so with your head bowed, no one looking around, God, we just ask that you would speak to us. We rest in your presence. So Holy Spirit, give us understanding. Give us clarity. I'm just going to ask a few questions and then you just write them down. Right now, what do you think God is saying? And the first question is this, is God, what do you want me to know about you? Just as you're resting, God, I pray you'd speak. God, what do you want me to know about you today? question a little bit different but ask this 
Say, God, what do you want me to know right now? What do you want to tell me today? God, what do you want to tell me today in your presence right now? God, what do you want to say? to finish up and leaving you at home. One more question. God, today, what do you want me to do? What is my next step? God, right now, what is the next thing I need to do? What is, what is my next step? thank you so much God for your heart towards us God help us to have a heart towards you that is hungry and humble and holy and honoring God help us to hear your voice God we thank you today for your goodness for your grace for your love for speaking to us for meeting with us in Jesus name encourage you if you need prayer today to text prayer to the number on your screen we'd love to pray with you if you need a relationship with Jesus if you want to hear him um, please text that number we have people that would love to pray if you need kids resources or if you need to give kids is kids to that number giving is giving to that number uh, if you're a guest connect to that number but if you need prayer text that number we'll have someone get in contact with you soon right after Really, right after you send the message, we'll have someone in contact with you to pray. It's been great having you. It's been great having all of you uh, here today. And uh, yeah, and I hope you heard something great from God. Listen, make it a practice to hear the Lord. Let God continue to speak to your hearts. Um, man, I think the best is ahead. Can't wait for next week. Hope you have some great barbecue. We love you, and we'll see you next weekend. God bless you.